end earlier my uh, my connection was being weird i think because of the local so we'll try it again without doing that we'll see if it helps okay all right i'm good to go you set yeah all good cool. all right three two one how many how many games are we through right now is it i don't know off the top of my head 30 30 something we are through 34 34 all right so i'll say like pushing towards the halfway mark of the season that would be yeah. interesting to look yeah all right good three. framing yeah exactly all right three two one welcome into locked on nicks alex wolf and gavin shaw here and gavin we have 10 interesting stats for players in the rotation this includes jericho sims and obi top and now that we're at roughly the halfway point through the season yeah, how has Julius Randle turned his season around? Why Jalen Brunson is one of only six players in the NBA to hit these elite marks and how Deuce McBride is impacting the game defensively like no one else in the NBA. All that and more right now on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome in to Locked On Knicks. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code Locked On. That's prizepicks.com, promo code Locked On. And we wanted to thank you guys for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today and every day, whether you're checking us out on your favorite podcast platform or taking in the sights and sounds on YouTube. We appreciate you making us a part of your daily routine. I'm Alex Wolf. I'm editor-in-chief of Nick's site, The Strickland, which you can find at thestrick.land. He is Gavin Shaw, your favorite play-by-play broadcaster's favorite play-by-play broadcaster. And this is the 10 Interesting Stats edition of Locked on Nick's. Gavin, you had this idea for us, and then we we set off and each took five players. Now, some people might be listening and saying, but wait, the rotation is famously nine players now. And that is true. Uh, but Obi Toppin is hurt and is presumably part of that rotation when he's healthy. Jericho Sims is presumably the fill-in for Obi right now, although we'll see how that goes. So as of right now, we're considering them both to be quote-unquote part of the rotation. Uh, But otherwise, the other players that we have are Jalen Brunson, Julius Randle, R.J. Barrett, Quentin Grimes, Emmanuel Quickly, Mitchell Robinson, Isaiah Hartenstein, uh, Deuce McBride, Jericho Sims, and Obi Toppin, as we said. So... Uh, and we'll be going through them in that exact order. I just read that right off our sheet. So, Gavin, Perfect. I will uh, toss you the first ball here to get things going. What is an interesting stat that you found about one Jalen Brunson? All right. So what is a what is a point guard's job on offense? It's to score the basketball, to do so efficiently, and to distribute. And Jalen Brunson is about as good as those three at those three things um, as – just about anyone else in the NBA. There, there are some players who score better, who score more efficiently, who average more assists, but doing all three simultaneously. So let's just call it minimum averages of 20 points per game, six and a half assists per game, and a true shooting percentage over 56.5% that hit ESPN's games played minimum. I would assume that's probably 20 or 25 games. And those players are Tyrese Halliburton, Nikola Jokic, Luka Doncic, Steph Curry, LeBron James, and of course, uh, Jalen Brunson. So you have uh, three MVP winners. Uh, you have another guy in Luca who will, will probably go down as one of the 
15 to 20 or so best players of all time and will likely win an MVP. You have uh, maybe an all-star Tyrese Halliburton and you have Jalen Brunson, Alex. And I think that does a good job encapsulating the season that he's had. Um, one of our big questions when he came to the Knicks was how would he do as a primary distributor role? He hasn't played since college. And the answer is fantastic. And I, I think that's an element of his game that uh, on top of the efficiency has really shined through the last couple of games, his teams have started throwing junk defenses at him. The Raptors in particular were, were basically sending two guys at him every single possession. And Brunson, time in and time out is, is almost like just 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 perfectly in the mold of a traditional point guard at times with his ability to recognize where the help is coming and, and just send the ball the opposite direction, set his guys up for easy shots, easy plays, intuition at doing that unmatched on this Knicks team, unmatched really on any Knicks of any Knicks player over the last 15 years or so. Yeah, I mean, not too bad of company, right? I mean, I think if uh, if such a thing existed, if this was like a like a political campaign, I would uh, send that into Brunson's reps to make like an all star uh, campaign video. Like, is is Zach Levine averaging these numbers? Is Demar Derozan averaging these? Is uh, who are some of the other? <laughs> People that might be Darius uh, Garland. It was actually not not quite efficient enough. That was that was one that I noted in there. There you go, Darius Garland. What are his numbers looking like? He's not in conversation with these five, but Jalen Brunson is. Yeah, I mean, I I think that's pretty compelling. I I think it definitely underscores exactly what you said that uh, he's having easily the best point guard season that the Knicks have seen. I, maybe since like Clyde. I mean, I don't mean to discount. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Marbury like, Marbury got up to eight assists, which especially yeah. in that era when scoring was down, I, I think is is pretty insanely impressive while also averaging over 20. So I would I would put those two in, in, in a similar light, though. Brunson a little bit more stable as a player. Yeah. And, and it well, and yeah, you have to look at, at supporting casts and stuff. I mean, Marbury did take the Knicks kicking and screaming to the playoffs at least one year. So mm -hmm. there was that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, easily the best in like 20 years maybe the best since like Clyde so far this year and a hundred percent worth the money. So I think that that stat really uh, drives that home. I'll move to the next player on our list here, uh, who is Julius Randall, who I thought was, I had RJ and Randall. And when I was, when I was ordering this out, as far as who, whose season I think has been the most interesting so far, who has the most interesting stat, it was Randall for me, honestly, because I was starting to look through this. This is something that we've, talked about a bit on the show already uh, as far as his shot profile this year, but I wanted to put real numbers to it and, and comparisons of just how this season looked not the last season. I actually went back and pulled from the 2020 to 21 season, the like wow. gold standard Julius Randall season to see how he's been, despite the fact that like on the surface, you would look at the percentage numbers and say, Oh, he's definitely not having as good of a season. I think there's an argument to be made that he is actually maybe having a better season this year than he did two years ago. So here's the numbers I want to present here. So uh, take out your notepads if you're if you're uh, listening here so that you can keep uh, keep track of all this. So 2020 to 21, uh, he was averaging 45.5% from the floor overall and 41.1% from three, which we obviously talk about all the time uh, about how great of a three-point shooter he was that year and how it was probably due to the empty arenas along with everybody else uh he also shot 65.1 percent at the rim in 2020 to 21 which is a pretty good number not the best maybe not the best for a big but still pretty good 2022 to 2023 
this current year. He is shooting 46.8% from the field overall. So that's actually a 1.3% improvement over 2020 to 21. But then one thing that people might look at and say, Ugh, like that doesn't look good. He's shooting 33.6% from three, which is obviously almost eight percentage points worse than uh, two years ago. But he's shooting 69.4% at the rim, which is a solid almost 4.5% increase over two years ago. So now here's here's where things get a little interesting, though, and where I think that the big difference is here. In 2020 to 21, he took 1,322 total shots. Out of those shots, 235 were at the rim, which is 18% of his total takes that year. 422 were from three which was 32% of his total takes. So a little quick napkin math tells you that 50% of his attempts were for not were from not at the rim twos uh, that year, which we know were mostly his face-up mid-range shots. You know, it was like Carmelo Anthony impersonation. Uh, 2020 to 23 this year, he is currently sitting at 566 attempts, 147 of which are at the rim, which is 26% of his total. So that represents a uh, 8% increase from two years ago. 241 of his 566 are from three, which is 42.5% of his total, which represents a 10.5% increase of how many shots he's taking uh, or what percentage of his shots he's taking from three. And then 31.5% of his attempts are from not at the rim twos, which is a vast, vast difference from two years ago. So, Gavin, I think my my overall takeaway when looking at that is that even though Randall's technically shooting worse from three this year, uh, shooting, like I said, around 33.5%, his shooting at the rim is improving his overall field goal percentage. And the fact that he is zeroed in on that, like, James Harden shot profile of only at the rim and only from three and almost nothing in between has not only improved his efficiency – and it also makes it more palatable, like, look, okay, he's he's shooting 33.6% from three, but he's not taking that many more threes instead of taking long twos. So that evens that out quite a bit when you start looking at things like effective field goal percentage and true shooting percentage, which take into account the fact that a three-point shot is worth more than a two-point shot. Uh, but also, I think that it's led to better spacing overall for the Knicks because instead of him occupying that middle area between the three point line and the rim, he's now stretching all the way out, opening up the paint more for guys like RJ, for guys like Brunson, even for Mitch, you know, with getting his offensive rebounds and stuff, you know, offering him more space and less coverage down low. So I think that the benefits are kind of like twofold, threefold, fourfold. I, I don't know how many folds I got through there. But his shot profile has been super, super helpful for the Knicks this year. And not just in terms of what it's done for him, but also I think what it's done for the team. So that was my my big statistical takeaway for Randall so far this year. Yeah, I think I think it's I mean, it passes the eye test, right? Like he he just night in and night out looks to be a much more efficient player. And I think part of that is due to his shot selection and, and part of it, I'm, I'm going to circle back to my guy, Jalen Brunson, um, how he's made Julius's life easier. Like I'll, I'll just zoom in on one play in that Sixers game. It was, I think, early fourth quarter, maybe late third, but literally all Brunson did was take 
grab the ball, take one hard dribble to the right side. PJ Tucker tilted off of Randall a step. And then Brunson just, he, it was kind of, uh, I, sorry, cover your ears, Alex, for this reference, but Derek Jeter style, like whipped his body around in one motion and then just shot the ball back to Randall. PJ was half a step out of position and, and credit to Julius this year. I, as, as much as he got into great shape for that 2021 season, I mean, I, I think athletically, this is the best he's ever looked. And he just zoomed by Tucker, got right to the rim and finished. And, and at least, uh, in his next tenure, we, we've never seen a Randall this explosive, this good at getting to the basket. And then, I mean, to your point, upping that three-point percentage, like even if you're shooting 34% from three, that is the equivalent of shooting 51% from two. So that 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 is a golden shot every single time he takes it. Um, and and the volume's been there. The efficiency's been there. And, and for the most part, at, at least the last 15 games or so, he's taken high-quality looks. And I think it's impossible to measure how demoralizing it is when Randall just takes crappy shots and tries to shoot over double teams and and, and looks off wide open teammates. Um, it's not just that he's efficient. It's that in taking the right looks, I think everyone is, is more encouraged to play with him and support him more defensively and, and just better team morale, which, which you can't really calculate, but I, I think it's helping this Knicks team, Alex. So when we come back, um, I want to hear some RJ Barrett stats from you, but before we get into that, uh, would you mind telling us a little bit about our friends over at Prize Picks? Yeah, well, with all the stats talk, it's a perfect time to talk about Prize Picks because that's like what Prize Picks is all about. It's my new favorite way to play daily fantasy. Uh, I really love the the system that they offer, which is so different from the the daily fantasy games of the past, where you were playing against it's, it was you versus other people. They had all these resources available to them. There was no cap on how many entries you could buy, so you would have one person buy up like a thousand entries in a 2000 entry contest and win everything leaving you with nothing just felt a lot like flushing money down the toilet in the early days of daily fantasy. Luckily prize picks has really gotten it down. Uh, let's just say that you want to, let's say you want to, you know, harken back to, to Gavin's, uh, you know, first stat there and say, Hey, you know what? I think that Jalen Brunson is going to have over 20 and a half points in this game and over six and a half assists because he does that every other night in the uh, NBA this year. Well, you could do that. And you could also bet for Zach Wilson to have under 90 pass yards in any given game. So you can make multi-sport entries and you can put a whole entry together and it's just you versus the projected numbers instead of you versus a bunch of quite frankly, professionals that are spending their whole life trying to learn how to crack the code of this whole thing it's super easy you just pick two to six players and if they go on to score more or less than their prize picks projection you can up to 25 times your money on any entry and it offers projections on any sport that you watch this includes the nba nfl mlb nhl pga college football men's college basketball women's college basketball soccer WNBA, esports nascar tennis mma boxing disc golf euro basketball cricket and more you can make entries in 60 seconds or less it really is that easy and they offer safe and fast withdrawals and are currently operational in over 30 states and Canada. So download the PrizePix app or go to prizepix.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code locked on. If you deposit $100, PrizePix will give you $100. If you deposit $50, PrizePix will give you $50. Don't forget to enter promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. All right, Gavin, and we are back to talk some more interesting stats here and uh as it turns out the way that we formatted the show i'm up again so sorry i'm taking your your turn here you know what you know you you put in the zach wilson dig uh with, without me having to pay you off for it so you're, you're good 
Nobody's got to pay me to take digs on Zach Wilson. I never yeah. liked him. But we got anyway. that plus Derek Jeter propaganda. You know, I'm I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm set for the episode. My team is Lindor, so I'm good. I am set. Uh, anyway, uh, so my stuff with RJ actually. I started pulling these stats the other day. I updated them, though. Uh, after the the Bulls game, I, I was initially looking this stuff up, and then I updated it to reflect the uh, Sixers game here as well. And just sort of the transformation that we've seen from RJ post-December 1st, I wanted to kind of underscore that. So I, I this is my last really lengthy stat, I promise. So I kind of I kind of did the same thing I did with Randall where I wanted to compare two things to another. But so for the total season so far, these are some stats I pulled from uh, cleaning the glass. So I'm going to mention percentiles. This is all versus wings in the NBA, um, which is RJ's uh, category on cleaning the glass. But so currently he's at 15.5 shooting fouled percentage. That's the amount of shot attempts that he gets fouled on. So 15.5%. That placed him in the 92nd percentile in the NBA. And if you can believe it, that gets better in a second. Uh, he's also at 20.2% on his and one percentage. Uh, so the amount of foul attempts that he converts as an and one that placed him in the 43rd percentile in the NBA for the, the year so far post December 1st, which has been now I had this at 10 games. It's actually 11 games now because we had one more game. Uh, he is at now 16.9% shooting fouled percentage, meaning 17% of the time that he takes a shot attempt, he is drawing a foul. That currently makes him in that time frame since December 1st in the 100th percentile. He is the uh, overall leader in the NBA post December 1st so far in drawing fouls. He also is shooting 30% uh, in and one percentage. So he's converting on th- uh, 30% of the time that he gets fouled, which now places him post December 1st in the 62nd percentile. He also. Uh, it's getting 6.3 free throw attempts post December 1st per game versus 5.7 year to date. So he's, he's increased that by uh, a little over half of a free throw per game since December 1st compared to his total year average, which of course includes everything post December 1st as well. Uh, and then I just figured I would also highlight at the rim. He's shooting pretty much the same 57% uh, for the whole season plus post December 1st, which actually, People must be shooting better at the rim in December because it it makes them a lower percentile. 29th for the year so far versus 17th since December 1st. But he's shooting 43% from three, which is 83rd percentile post-December 1st versus 34% for the whole year, which is 29th percentile. And then his effective field goal percentage is at 48.6% for the entire year, which puts him in the 26th percentile. Not too great, but the 53.4th percentile uh, or sorry, 53.4 53.4 percentage uh, effective field goal percentage, which is the 49th percentile uh, from December 1st on. So Gavin, a lot of, I used to, <laughs> I haven't used this term in a while, a lot of stat vomit there. <laughs> um, but basically my takeaway was RJ has been doing the same thing that he did post all-star break last year, but earlier this year, which is drawing way more fouls, which is then mitigating a little bit the fact that, his field goal percentage is not always the best and can turn him into an efficient score. Even if you don't, you know, even if he's not able to improve that at the rim percentage, if he's able to just draw more fouls and make more threes, he could be a way better player, have average efficiency as far as, you know, effective field goal percentage, but then tack on all those extra points by drawing all those fouls. So I've really been liking what I've been seeing out of him lately. And I I think that, we're seeing a, a great trend in that direction that hopefully continues where he 
keeps being able to leverage his ability to get to the rim and maybe not being the most explosive finisher or scorer, but at least being good at drawing contact now and, and getting something out of every drive that he takes. Yeah, look, his, his last 10 games now, he's at 25 points, six rebounds, three assists, 47% from the field, 45% uh, from the three-point line, 73, or 73% from the foul line. Like, just, just a completely different level of efficiency. And, and, and we've said it a bunch of times, he, he, just, he just looks like he's moving differently. And I, th- I think the stat that you have on him, um, on, on his foul percentage, his foul drawn percentage, excuse me, is just, uh, just pretty, pretty ridiculous at this point. Um, all right, Quentin Grimes. Um, got a, a couple for him. So over the Knicks, Eight-game winning streak. He led the NBA um, amongst wing players um, with a, a, a minimal number of minutes. I'm assuming 20 um, in uh, effective field goal percentage at 66 points, or excuse me, in true shooting percentage at 66.7 percent. Um, and in December, he was 11th overall amongst non-bigs in the entire NBA. And doing that, and going through the list of guys ahead of him, you have a lot of shooting specialists like Buddy Heald um Kevin Herter um and and suffice it to say Alex out of the the very few players who were more efficient than him last month um in terms of non-bigs uh he was a better defender than the vast majority so uh my 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 point in saying all that is out of non-star players like remove your Kawhi Leonard's remove your Paul George's uh there is a a case to be made that Quentin Grimes is, is one of the five or so best three and D guys um on planet earth which is is pretty incredible to say yeah, I mean, I, I, I think the best part of that, too, is that he's showing himself to be even more than that. But the fact that he has that aspect nailed down so well at this point in year two, I think is a great indicator of what he could potentially do going forward because he's now showing the ability to attack closeouts, to finish inside sometimes, to uh, also identify, you know, when someone rot- rotates over to help after he attacks a closeout and, you know, just – dropping a, a quick little pass in there to Mitchell Robinson or, uh, you know, throwing up a little lob to Jarko Sims or what have you, whatever it is that he's able to do to, to make a winning play there, he's finding ways to do it. So I very much like that the stats are bearing out what our eyeballs are seeing, which is that he has been probably, uh, probably one of the single biggest uh, factors in the fact that the Knicks had that win streak recently and have been playing as well as they have lately is Quentin Grimes finding his way in his starting lineup and just providing all the things you want out of a high-level role player lately. But, Gavin, if you wanted to bet on some things, maybe not Knicks-related, maybe maybe Knicks-related too. I don't know. If you wanted to play some bets on even some stat lines and stuff, where might you go to do so? Uh, there's only one place, Alex, in the whole wide world that you would go to do that, and that is betonline.net, your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. You can get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there from pro football to college bowl season to basketball and World Cup. We've got it all at betonline.net. If you love sports podcasts, you can even find those at betonline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info. What I go to betonline for most often is the night to night odds on games. And Alex, I'm seeing the Philadelphia 76ers tomorrow, just four point favorites over the Washington Wizards. The Wizards are in disarray. The 76ers are playing as well as anyone in the NBA. That almost seems too easy, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to take it being easy. I think Joel Embiid, James Harden dominate the Washington Wizards, and they win that game by double digits. So head to the website today if you also want to put some money down or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online. It's where the game starts. 
All right. And with that, Alex, we are back to uh, wrap this up. Let's let's go rapid fire back and forth on seven more Knicks. Um, we both have stats on Emmanuel quickly. So I'll, I'll throw you mine first and then I'm interested to hear yours. Um, he is 13th in the entire NBA in deflections per 36 minutes, minimum of 30 games played. And out of the players in the top 13, he is the third shortest player, um, only behind uh, the human steel, Jose Alvarado and uh, Trey Jones of the San Antonio Spurs. But I, I thought that captured pretty well uh, the impact he's had playing the passing lanes this season. Yeah, I'd be curious where he ranks in wingspan among those guys. Because Yeah, that, yeah, like... I knew I didn't I didn't want to go there because I knew that <laughs> that he'd be a little higher up. But. Yeah, because the six, what is it, six ten for quickly that he has, uh, definitely, definitely works to his advantage with the the deflections there. But yeah, I have a stat that probably just kind of fits in with that nicely in the puzzle piece that is Emmanuel quickly. He has. I was really curious to see this, and because uh, we were talking about the whole rotation, right? He has a positive net rating with every single player in the rotation right now except weirdly for Jericho Sims. I don't know what led to that, but it's only like a minus one. Hmm. Uh, with the starters, and this is interesting, his highest is with Quentin Grimes, which actually shouldn't be that interesting. I think that's pretty self-explanatory. They are in 190 minutes so far together this year. They are a plus 18.8 net rating. Uh, his lowest, which is saying something about how great this number still is, even though it's the lowest, is with RJ Barrett. Uh, they are at a plus 6.3 net rating in 388 minutes together. So quickly, no matter who he's playing with out of the starting lineup right now is a resounding positive. That includes Brunson. That includes Mitchell Robinson. That includes uh, Julius Randle as well. So my takeaway is he should probably be playing more. Uh, you know, he's been back to getting like low 20s minutes again lately and you know, how you find those minutes, I'm not 100% certain, especially when we were just gushing about Quentin Grimes a second ago. But I, I think there's a case to be made, and we've seen this lately where in late-game scenarios he's been sitting and then things kind of fall apart a little bit uh, in some of these some of these games. I think the Bulls game in particular really stood out to me for that where he got pulled just because it was when he was supposed to get pulled. And I found myself thinking, like, oh, but should they really have pulled him there? Because... I think that he would have made a big difference, you know, with with the defense down the stretch. Maybe it means sitting one of Brunson, RJ, or Grimes for some stretches, or maybe even Julius Randle if you want to get crazy and have RJ play the four for little stretches there. But I think any given night, uh, there needs to be less of a reluctance from Tibbs to give quickly some closing minutes on nights when he is at his best, especially now that he's been shooting better because – the things he's bringing in the other aspects of the game, I think are well worth it. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm with you there. Um, particularly in that he, he was just shooting lights out in that bulls game. All right. Uh, let's, let's pop over to Mitchell Robinson. We'll keep this one short and sweet. Um, I, if, if you're a keen listener, I, I've, I've noted this stat on the podcast before, but it is still true. And I will keep saying it as long as it's true. Mitchell Robinson leads the entire NBA in contested rebound percentage. That, that means the, uh, percentage of rebounds that are contested that he wins, uh, winning 64.9% of them. That is three and a half percent ahead of the next highest guy, which is Luke Cornett. It's uh, over 5% ahead of the guy in third place in Moses Brown, a full 7% ahead of Isaiah Jackson in fourth place. So suffice it to say, Mitchell Robinson is 
pretty easily uh, the most dominant rebounder in the NBA um, in terms of balls that are fought for. Um, the only other guy in the entire top 10, Alex, that's even playing 20 minutes per game is Anthony Davis. So uh, Mitch is is truly in a category of his own. I like that uh, little once a Nick, always a Nick nod in there too. Good old Luke Cornette, man. Look at that guy <laughs> showing up in that list. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I mean, numbers don't really do Mitch's rebounding impact justice this year, but that number does. Uh, so I'll, that was a great poll. Uh, I will keep it keep it in the big family here, and go with Isaiah Hartenstein, uh, who. All right, this is this is a depressing stat with him. So this is we've been going positives for a lot of these guys. This one's a little depressing. So assist percentage, uh, which is um, percentage of plays uh, where uh, that player gets an assist uh, that they're involved in. I, I forget what the exact criteria is. It's like if they touch the ball on the possession or something like that. Uh, so in twenty 2020 twenty to twenty one, uh, Hartenstein had a. A 16-game stint with the Cleveland Cavaliers, and he had a 21.7% assist percentage in those 16 games with them, which was in the 96th percentile for bigs, according to Cleaning the Glass. Uh, last year, in a full season with the Clippers, he had an 18.9% assist percentage, uh, which was good for the 92nd percentile among bigs. This year so far, womp womp, he is at 4.8% assist percentage with the Knicks, which is only in the 15th percentile for bigs. Not fantastic. So I think my takeaway when I was looking at those numbers kind of matches what my what my brain's been saying during games, which is why did you sign this guy that plays so drastically different from Mitchell Robinson in order to give you a different look if you were just going to play him exactly like Mitchell Robinson? And I, I think it's sort of taken some of the luster off of off of Hartenstein, you know, in the sense that he's just, he's not being used to his best strengths. And a lot of times that makes him look like he's playing poorly. Uh, when in reality, I think it's more just that he's, he's not necessarily playing poorly. He's just not getting a chance to do the things that he's best at to then open up, you know, to make his impact positive when he does some, when he messes up with some of the things that he's not as good at, like he's definitely not as good at, at defense as Mitch or rebounding or anything like that, but you can sort of negate some of the losses you get by taking out Mitch by the fact that Hartenstein can do some different stuff like space the floor a little bit, uh, or at least pretend to, even if his percentages haven't been as great this year and certainly pass and, and run some things out of the high post or otherwise we've luckily seen him be a little more active of a passer in the fast break over the last few games. So hopefully that's something that sticks as well. But for someone who's such a good passer, it just seems a shame that he's not getting more opportunities to. Uh, and hopefully that can get remedied at some point this year with a, you know, a little, little bit of a change in play style for the bench. Yeah. It, it is a malpractice on, on Tom Thibodeau's part. Uh, I'll quote one of my favorite movies, the other guys and detective Terry Hoyts to sum up this season for him. I'm like a peacock. You got to let me fly. Uh, he's, he's not, he's not been allowed to fly, uh, yet this season. Hopefully that changes. Um, all right. Uh, Deuce McBride, this is, this is a crazy one. So, so first I, I was just like, all right, Deuce is, Deuce is a plus minus God. Let me just look up his net rating. So he's 12th in the NBA in net rating amongst players who have played at least 20 games, 10.2 net rating, pretty incredible. But Alex, he's first in the entire NBA in defensive rating amongst players who have played at least 20 games. 
Um, so per 100 possessions when he is on the floor, the Knicks are allowing 94 points per 100 possessions. That is 4.6 points per 100 possessions better than any other player in the league. So not only is he first, it is not even close. Um, there, there is a case to be made that, uh, look, you got you to gotta extrapolate it, larger sample size, him playing against starters, but stats don't lie. He is, he is the single most impactful uh, defensive player on a permanent basis in the NBA this season. I believe it too, because you want to talk about, you know, like like you brought up the deflections with quickly, you know, Deuce is doing a lot of that same stuff, but he is just also just the most bulldoggy defender. Yeah. Like he's I, like the best of Grimes and quickly in in one. Kind exactly. Of. Like when he's on defense, I mean, he's just insane. Like man to man playing passing lanes, you know, whatever you want him to do, he is just going to do it a thousand percent. And maybe some of that, that, impact goes away a little bit considering it's been in like short bursts right now like shorter stints off the bench and not having to play as many minutes but even if you extended his minutes out i really doubt that things would get worse like at all so uh, i'm yeah he's super impressive and will continue to be uh i went with jericho sims for the next one before we wrap up with obi Toppin, and this one i don't know maybe kind of a tame stat but it was just one that i just wanted to look up honestly uh Jericho Sims 15% offensive rebounding percentage of his team's field goal attempts. So uh, off field goal attempt misses Jericho Sims corrals 15% of those. Uh, that is good for 94th percentile of bigs per cleaning the glass. Uh, just for fun. I also looked up Mitch's cause I was like, Oh, is Mitch the, the standard bearer here? Almost Mitch is uh, nearly the trendsetter with 17.4%. Uh, which is 2.4% better than Sims. And Mitch is good for the 98th percentile, which makes me think there's maybe one player uh, out there who I didn't care to look up that has a higher uh, offensive rebound percentage of his team's field goals. But still, nonetheless, extremely impressive number for Sims, uh, especially for a guy who's a 58th pick last year in his second year in the NBA as a 24-year-old, like already kind of an older player. I think it's pretty impressive for a guy that came in and was supposed to be more raw than he is that, that he's already gotten so good at offensive rebounding, which is a pretty tough part of the game. Yeah. I think, I think we noted a few pods back uh, that, that combo over the Knicks uh, eight game winning streak first and fourth in, in the NBA and offensive rebounding percentage, just kind of, kind of an unfair combination. All right. We will wrap things up with OB Toppin uh, kind of a, a bummer to end on both in the sense that he's injured and not playing and, and uh, I, I did, I, I kind of similar to what you did with Randall and RJ Alex. I went deep on OV and it's, it's kind of all bad stuff. Um, he went from 64th percentile. This is per cleaning the glass went from the 64th percentile um, in effective field goal percentage last year amongst power forwards to the 17th percentile this season. So um, looking at that, my, my initial thought was, all right, he's, he's probably not finishing any worse. It's just that he went from only taking shots at the rim to only taking threes. And and if you're the best dunker in the NBA and you're a good, but not truly elite three point shooter, um, you're going to fall down in efficiency if you're changing your shot profile in that way. But Alex, it wasn't just that it was that his finishing at the rim has gone way down last season. He shot 72% at the rim. That was in the 66th percentile um, in the league amongst power forwards. Um, This season, he was shooting just 59% at the rim. 
That is in the 12th percentile. And that is with his rim attempts going way down last season, uh, well above average in rim attempts at 64th percentile this season. uh, And the bottom fifth or almost in the bottom fifth of all power forwards at the 22nd percentile in rim attempts. And all that is translated to from a plus uh, 10, uh, 9.9 net rating a year ago to this season. He's actually been a negative for the Knicks um, after their current win streak, a minus 1.7 net rating for the team. Um, they've been better without him, which is stunning for a guy who has been a plus minus God his whole career. Yeah. Kind of unfortunate to see. Uh, and, and, you know, you wonder too, how much of that is, it could potentially be remedied if he comes back into this environment where the Knicks as an entire team have clearly turned a corner and seem to have like Randall, RJ, everybody seems to have their, their mentality, their games, everything, kind of figured out to a T. I think we've seen some interesting positives of the Sims and Hartenstein pairing, but it's certainly imperfect. I still think, you know, it's, it has its intriguing moments, but I think that on paper and potentially in practice, Obi and, and Hartenstein should still be better. Uh, so I'm, I'm kind of intrigued to see what's going to happen when Obi comes back from injury. If he's able to just kind of slot right into what the Knicks have going on right now. Also, you know, that, that's still a few weeks away. We could be like ready to fire Tibbs again in three weeks. You know, if the Knicks really go on a skid or something. So, you know, maybe he'll come back to the same thing he left and the Knicks will have already had their peak of the season. Who knows? Uh, basketball's weird, but you know, I, I certainly hope that we see a strong close to the season for him because yeah, it's been a little, a little rough at times this year, even with, you know, the early season three point percentage increases we saw, as you noted, his bread and butter, the finishing at the rim that, that was one of his big differentiators has not been as good this year. So hopefully we see some improvement from him. But at any rate, that's our 10 big stats. Hopefully they were interesting to you uh, watching. Yeah, were, were, were they big enough? Tell us in the comments section. Yeah, you could. Yeah, go on the YouTube comments. Be like, that stat was small. Here's a better stat. We'd love to hear more stats. Maybe we'll even chat them out on the next show or something. So if you have a big stat that you want to tell us about, yeah, tell us in the YouTube comments. Tell us at, on Twitter at Locked on Knicks, uh, or if you think that our stats are stupid and misleading, tell us that too. We love hearing about all that. We love hearing what big idiots we are. So (laughs) anyway, thank you all for listening, and we will talk to you guys soon with some game recaps and other good stuff this week. But till next time, this has been Locked on Knicks. Peace out, everybody.